0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And uh, I've got a wonderful guest joining us this week. She is the CEO of Pivot and Slay Consulting. She is an apex executive coach. She is the author of a best-selling book. Man, I'm so happy you're here. I've been waiting a long time to uh, to interview you and to get to know you guys. Please welcome to the show, Miss Jessica Danahy. Jessica, welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Man, it has been a minute. I've been trying to run you down because, um, you know, we're we're quite male oriented on this show. Through no no intention of mine, only that you know, I was reaching out to my network to book guests, and a lot of my network are, are guys, so it's, it's always good to have a, a lady on the show and, and get that kind of perspective, so I'm super glad you're here, and you're probably one of the most successful ladies uh, in my circle, one of the most successful ones I know, so man, I'd really like to get into your story. Sure, what do you wanna know? All right, so we're from New York, New York. I I did do a little bit of Facebook stalking before we looked this up. (laughs) But like, you don't just wake up as the CEO of of a consulting company. I know you've got a history, I know you started out in law. And um, I wanna know a little bit about your background and how you got into into the entrepreneurial side of things. Because going from uh, a job in law uh, and a regular paycheck and, um, having the, uh, having the security and having all that, all that, all that stuff all wrapped up, you think, Hey, I've made it, I'm done in life. Right. But you, you weren't, you weren't done. You, uh, you wanted something else. So how did you go uh, from law? Tell us a little bit about your time in law and tell us about how you became an entrepreneur.
1: Well, the reason that I am doing the entrepreneur thing is for freedom. Freedom is my absolute why I want to control my life, my schedule, I want to be able to travel whenever I want. I want to have limitless earning potential. I want all the freedom. And that is how this whole thing got started. So when I was younger, my dream actually was to be an attorney um, because I love talking to people and understanding everyone's perspective, but then Mm -hmm. still formulating my opinion and having a lot of conviction about that. Uh So that led me down the road of being a lawyer and I worked my butt off to get my dream job, which was working on Wall Street, which is male dominant. It's funny that you mentioned your male <laughs> dominant, um, because that's really, I think, what my whole life has been was me being in a male dominant industry. So for ten years, I worked on, uh, at the New York Stock Exchange as a regulatory oh, attorney. Oh wow! Which was amazing. I loved every second of it because there was so much. I love energy. You'll get. You'll yeah. get to that. Uh-huh. I love energy and the energy of Wall Street is very exciting. Everyone's very driven. Everyone's making a lot of money um, and it's young. Um, mm-hmm. I, I came out, of, I went there straight from law school. And so the industry was young, but the attorney side of it was older white guys. Yeah, And they just underestimated me to no end. And that (laughs) just drove me to prove them wrong and be the craziest, most elite version of myself in that world. And so the older attorneys, they hated me because I was a new attorney. I was a young woman. The brokers hated me because I was a female and they were (laughs) all very chauvinistic in that industry. I'm generalizing, of course. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. There's good people in every place, right? Um, but that really drove me. So for 10 years, I did that and loved it. But what happened was the corporate life was very stifling for me. I did not like the nine to five life. Not that it was nine to five. Trust me, I was working tons of hours. Yeah. I had yeah. no freedom. I had no decision making ability over my life. If clients needed me, if um, my boss needed me, I had to be at their beck and call. And that was frustrating for me because I'm, um, I like to be creative. I like to live on my own terms and I just felt like I was in a cage. So
0: it, it takes a long time to realize this, but eventually when you're going through that, there's there's a moment when you're like, hey, you know, no amount of money is worth me not doing the things that I love.
1: That's the thing, is the money was great. I was making an amazing salary. I had a pension, a million dollar pension. I had great crazy health benefits. And I gave that all up. Not because I was searching for money, because I don't believe in I don't believe in chasing the money. I believe Mm -hmm. in chasing the fulfillment. I was not fulfilled. I knew that even though that was great, I was bored. There's only so many different kinds of violations someone can have (laughs) on the stock exchange. And I tried them all. I deposed everybody. I did all the things and I felt like I didn't have anywhere to move. Right. Uh, and I felt bored. I wasn't being fulfilled.
0: That, that that's such a, a correlation. Um, now I was never an attorney. Don't don't even go there and there's there's a whole level that I never reached. But I was in oil and gas law and, you know, I had industry certifications and one day I just realized that I had looked at every single kind of document and handled every single kind of case that i ever wanted to handle there was nothing left that was new for me there so i completely like that resonates with me man <laughs> just just yeah. looking at some you you know what i don't want to look at this document anymore this is i've i've seen a thousand of these and that's, that's it.
1: exactly where i was at but the funny part right was that i at that point didn't necessarily think hey i want to own a business right, right? I, right. I didn't have that thought that part came naturally. Um, at the time we were, my hu- my husband at the time and I were in a weird spot. We just bought a house, we were about to start a family, but he didn't have a job, but he had this great business idea. So I was like, great, you do that, do it, I'll fund it and we'll start a business, let's mm-hmm. go. Once he started that business, it's Mad Men Barbershop, which we still own together today, even though we're no longer married, we're business partners. Um, right once we started that business, something inside me clicked. It was exciting. It was, I was learning mm-hmm. and I was doing all these things that I never thought I had the ability or capability to do. And it became liberating. And I was hooked. I like that, <laughs> that excitement. I felt my first day on wall street had died. And this new excitement into the entrepreneurial world ignited and it was amazing.
0: It's great, and isn't it? I,
1: I learned so much in those first few years. Our business totally exploded. And we looked at each other and said, we need to keep going. So I left Wall Street, which was a big risk, right? Yeah, I'm leaving job security. I'm leaving the salary that had. had given all the capital infusions to the company. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving the salary that paid for our house and our kids and all that other stuff. And I am taking this huge leap and expanding and scaling a business. And everyone thought I was totally nuts because how do you leave that and go run a bunch of barber shops. It doesn't sound as fancy, right?
0: you You were leaving the pain. You were leaving the misery. You were leaving the monotony. You were leaving this job that you had to wear like a heavy shroud and you were stepping into something you wanted to do. So financially, no, absolutely doesn't make any sense. But from a personal perspective and from feeding your soul, you become such a better person when you step out and take those risks.
1: And that's the thing, like one thing entrepreneurs don't understand, and I, I say this in my, to my coaching clients all the time, you show up to your business as you as a person. So if you show up, you're bringing all the junk and all the great stuff. And that's why mindset so important mm-hmm. and to, to self-develop and cultivate the proper perspective, because every day you show up to your company, you bring you. So who are you going to bring that day? You're going to bring the best, happiest, (laughs) most fulfilled version of you, or are you going to bring some miserable version of you? What do you think is going to happen when you bring the miserable version? Your business is going to feel it. You're going to feel it in the business. So your business is part of you and you have to bring your best self to it. And, because I was following the passion. And listen, I'm not passionate about haircuts, all right? (laughs) I I don't know how to cut hair. Neither does my business partner. But we started this business because business is business. If you Mm -hmm. apply business and techniques to any industry, you will succeed regardless of your knowledge of the underlying business. And when I started, I knew nothing about haircuts. To this day, I will not cut your hair because you will want to (laughs) murder me. But I'm running a successful company that is based in that industry because I know business and because I brought my passion for business to my company. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's successful because I'm passionate about it. And we've now owned that business for 10 years and we've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of trial and errors. I brought my corporate expertise and my legal expertise to that business also Um, but what I do now is help other entrepreneurs that are going through those growing pains. I help them not have to go through 10 years of trial and error, right? Because I bring my expertise and experience to the table so they could get further faster. So I didn't have a consultant at my fingertips when I started, (laughs) I learned it all on my own. But you don't have to if you hire the right person to help you.
0: <laughs> and the, the same way. Everything was from books and trial and error and pure stubbornness and stupidity, and then YouTube came around and things got a little easier. But boy, you know, I wish I'd had a I wish I'd had a coach ten years ago. I wish I'd had a consultant to lean on ten years ago. Um, you know, life life would have changed. You know, and I, I mean it has. I've, I've been doing it a couple of years. Uh, I think I hired my first coach ooh, probably three and a half years ago. And um, it has, it has helped me just in, in leaps and bounds. I have to, it compresses time is what it, it does. does.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you know, you can't, the learning experiences are really where the juicy stuff is because without, you can't win unless you've failed. And mm-hmm. I say that in air quotes, right? Because to me, there's two options. You take a risk, you start a business or you make a move within your business and it's risky. There's two things that can happen. One is you win. Yay. Mm -hmm. One is you learn a lesson because it didn't work out. Those are the only options. And when you look at it that way, it's almost like, why wouldn't you do it? There's no downside. You're either going to learn and take that lesson Leaps and bounds ahead to everything else you do, Mm -hmm. or you're just going to win on the first try. So, uh, to me, there's no downside in risk. But back then, I didn't feel that way. When I left Wall Street, that was a huge moment for me because before that, I was really risk averse. I was in that corporate grind, that nine to five mindset. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a lot of conversations with my then husband, now business partner. Where he was already of the entrepreneurial mindset, and I was still stuck in my old school (laughs) mindset. And I'd be like, we can't do that. That's not safe. That's not smart. And he's like, whatever, watch this. And so he really taught me to his credit, because I give credit where credit's due. And he's an amazing business partner because he is not risk averse at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned a lot about trusting my gut. And I learned a lot about taking risks through that entire experience. So this is not, when I sit here today telling everybody to take risk. it's not because I was born taking risk. I was mm-hmm. born being risk averse like many of us are, but I've learned to trust myself and my intuition and my business instincts. And that's why now I can take these risks.
0: So let's go back a little bit to your first couple of years owning a barbershop. What were some of the risks you took and and what were some of the scary things that happened?
1: Well, the scariest part was doing it because I was a week away from having my
0: first baby. Oh man, you didn't even say that. Just add that into the mix. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: you know what it was? We saw this property that was great and the guy wanted a long-term lease and we were using our really our the last of our savings to start this business and that was the scariest moment for me because as i mentioned i wasn't of the entrepreneurial mindset just yet my journey was just beginning mm-hmm. and we signed this lease i had a baby the next week a <laughs> week and Two weeks after that, we were hitting the pavement, like handing out flyers and trying to get this business up and running, which we had never done before. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because we had no name in the industry, we couldn't really grab the staffing that we really, that was ideal, right? Yeah. We just had to yeah. kind of start with whoever we could. And that was a big hurdle to overcome because you want to exude this luxurious feel at our barber shops, but we didn't have quite the staff that met those <laughs>
0: expectations yeah. yeah yeah
1: so we threw lipstick on a pig you know and we said here's our best foot forward let's see what happens and really what drove people to us was our marketing oh yeah we had creative marketing we had a beautiful space we we like you know honed in on the right opportunity for in terms of the real estate and we took that risk and and that's what i tell people a lot is opportunity is not going to wait for your life to be perfect it's going to show up Mm -hmm. so this opportunity showed up this space showed up it was supposed to be a starbucks so the landlord made it gorgeous on the outside for starbucks but starbucks pulled out and the landlord had just put all this money into it and that was the perfect opportunity because it was a good price it was a beautiful space and it was bad timing so instead of giving in and saying well this is right time it's not perfect <laughs> this and that. we were like all right let's do it like yeah. two lunatics and everyone thought we were insane everyone did
0: <laughs> well but you know,
1: opportunities are not going to wait for you to catch up with it
0: they, they say entrepreneurship is kind of like jumping off a cliff and building the airplane on the way down you know and uh, but sometimes you just got to jump man
1: yeah, we jumped all in on that one, and that and that was crazy, but it was fun, and, and it was a fun ride, and there were so many learning opportunities along the way, mm-hmm. um, especially with building staff uh, from the ground up, you know, I think a lot of us, especially now with Pivot and Slay is really an online business, um, my consulting services are all done virtually, right, for the most mm-hmm. part. So we are kind of always focusing on sales, right? And I see this in a lot of my clients. They're so focused on the sale. They forgot to build the foundation of their company. Yes, yeah. If you start piling stuff onto this unstable foundation, everything's going to collapse. So one thing you have to learn, and I learned the hard way through Mad Men, is to take a beat, form the foundation, and eat the revenue for that month. So that you can build the foundation you need to start scaling because you can't scale without processes in place without hiring the right people without aligning them to the values of your company you won't be able to scale no matter how much you sell it's going to fall in on itself at some point
0: absolutely so so when you come in uh to a new client i mean you know <clears throat> i'm not gonna I'm not going to talk about the things I find, but I, I want to know, you know, you talk about foundation. Um, what do you find is, is often the most critical missing part of a company's foundation? You know, day one working with Jessica and you're like, oh, goodness me, they haven't done this. What's what's the part that you find the most critical for the guys listening that, that want to maybe make adjustments in their companies?
1: I think the number one thing commonality between many of the clients is that they're not hiring the right staff that's aligned they Mm -hmm. end up hiring out of necessity yes so they are quick to hire slow to fire which is the exact opposite of what we should do they're (laughs) they're saying shoot we need staff because we need blah, 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 we're having a problem or one staffer left and you need another one to replace it. And they're just like, give me the best option right now. And whoever Mm -hmm. they happen to click with over the phone or on an interview, next thing you know, the person's in the hot seat, (laughs) they're barely trained and they've got a pile of work on their desk. Well, that's not going to be a successful relationship for a variety of reasons. The first one being How do you know this person's the right fit? Are they aligned with what your company stands for? Because whatever your core values are, your mission statement, all of that, that is what you need to exude to your audience at all times. Mm -hmm. And every person on your staff also needs to emulate that for the audience so if you're not if you're even not even aware of what your value to the community is, how are, is your staff going to mm-hmm. be able to show that value to the community? And so then they're wondering like why do I have high turnover? Or <laughs> well, why you know why can't why can't this person do their job right? Well, did you show them how to do it right? Did you train them? Did you sit down with them and tell them what the company stands for? You probably don't even know yourself because many mm-hmm. times and I saw this with myself. So I'm speaking from experience. This isn't a judgment. But I'm, as I'm chuckling.
0: Owner. I'm chuckling along because I, I did the same thing. And now I look back and my clients yeah. do the same thing. So no, please continue. Just, we just all try. do. That's I'm, the
1: not, thing. I'm
0: not laughing at you. I'm chuckling because everything you're hitting is just truth after truth after truth right there. So. Well, it's
1: it's from my own experience. That's how mm-hmm. I know it's true. Because mm-hmm. when, we, when we opened Mad Men, it grew very fast faster than what we, faster than we could learn, really. Right. So we would start just hiring random people. And then we realized like, this is not a good fit for the long-term. It was helping us in the, in the immediate, but mm-hmm. not in the long-term. Um, and that's how I figured this out, right? Is hold on. Maybe if we're just, if we go a couple of days or a couple of weeks, or even there was a point where I went two months mm-hmm. understaffed, that was better in the long run than getting staff to just fill the gaps.
0: That's such a relief to hear because right now I'm in about month two of being seriously understaffed and we are interviewing and we are attracting people but i really want to make sure that they align with our company's core values and that they're the right fit and having that patience because i could have hired someone six weeks ago um and having that patience to make sure i've got the right guy through the expansion is causing my workload to go through the roof because the business is growing so quickly and i'm just trying to just trying to exude a little patience here and make sure we get the right fit but Boy, Patience
1: this is the hardest part, because if you're not patient, what we all want is the freedom. We all mm-hmm. want to not have to do the little menial tasks we hate. We want to be able to delegate the things we dislike and focus on what we love, because that's the freedom, right? If you if right. you love brand vision and that is your passion, you don't want to do the Excel spreadsheets. You don't want to make the appointments. You don't want to go on the estimates. You want to do what you love. That's the right. freedom. But you cannot get the freedom until you do the work and lay the foundation. So these tasks that you hate taking the time to do because you want to do the fun stuff or whatever's fun for you, Mm -hmm. these are the tasks that are going to allow you to go out there and do your thing and have your freedom and and spend more time doing what you love in and out of work, right? Because right now, and I see this a lot when people are transitioning from solopreneurship to the ascension to CEO, Mm -hmm. the ascension happens when you properly delegate. So you figure out what you're good at and you keep those things You figure out what you can delegate, and then you find the people aligned with your mission, and you train them properly so that you can delegate to them and go do the things you love. And then you have more time, more headspace for the branding and the vision. You have more time and headspace when you get home at night. You have more time and freedom to travel or do the things you like to do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's where the freedom comes in. But first, you got to do the work. Yes, And ma'am. people want to skip that part. <laughs> and you can't skip yeah, that part.
0: Can't do that. No, um, as tempting as it would be, um, you can't because that, that's where the foundations are laid. And you've got to do every last little thing and you've got to have the, the processes in place and the operating procedures to plug these guys in. And um, it just, unfortunately, it just takes a little bit of time. So. And then
1: we get stuck in this hustling mindset that we have mm-hmm. to do everything ourselves and we're the only people that could do it. False, false.
0: Yeah, I've, I've made that mistake. Made it. We have yeah. to
1: work all day, every day in order to succeed. Also false.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've, I go to my barber shops twice a month. I do my touches here and there throughout the week, you know, over the phone. I've got people who I trust in place to to handle the staff there and handle the customers because I did the work. That's why on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock, I could take my kids to the beach Mm -hmm. because I've created this world and this system that runs efficiently with small touches from me. That's building the freedom right there. That's what you should aspire to do in your business.
0: But it didn't happen overnight, did it? Because oh, everybody yeah. everybody looks at uh, looks at you and your your, <clears throat> your your age and your success, and are like, "Oh, it must be nice." But just how how hard did you work, and how long did it take you to get these processes in place? Tell us tell us about the <laughs> tell us about the struggle because I want the I want the guys listening to know that it is a struggle. There is time involved. There is work involved. But it it comes out all right on the other end, doesn't it?
1: It does, and it takes a long time. Listen, it took year. I would say minimum of six years at Mad Men before I felt I could really. I started the slow ascent away mm-hmm. from the business. And there's a lot of struggles in that ascent, but let's just talk about getting to that. Let me put it this way. I have two little girls. Mm-hmm. And at this point, my older one was four and she knew I was a lawyer, <laughs> but she knew that when she came to work with me at the shops, guess what I was doing? Sweeping the floors, cleaning the bathrooms on top of all the other stuff, right? So she would tell people, my mom's a lawyer. She sweeps the floor at barber shops." that's what because she saw me doing the work right like part of really being able to embrace your role in the company is to understand what needs to be done on a cellular level because if you do those things for a little bit of time and you put yourself in a situation where you have to learn those tasks and own those tasks for a little bit That will help you delegate them later, right? Uh If you understand what that role is, that's just more information you can use to find the right person to take on that role later. And so it took years of me going to the shop every day, interacting with the barbers every day, understanding how they operate, how they work, what they need, um, understanding what would help them and what hinders them. And then eventually being able to say to myself, man, me being here is not the best use of my time. I need to step away. And then kind of doing the slow roll away, because that is also an important transition where your staff still feels supported Mm -hmm. without you being constantly overseeing every little thing that happens. So you have to give them the latitude and trust to take on those responsibilities and kind of fail a little bit. learn from mistakes. it's not going to be perfect it's not always going to be easy they're going to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done that exact way but Mm -hmm. what you'll find is sometimes they'll do something better than you
0: yes yes and And that's an amazing thing yeah but if you don't allow them the freedom to do that and you don't allow them the freedom to fail with your guidance you know they'll never come back around and develop a better way to do it yeah, and some will fail, and that's just part of the part of the gamble of being the entrepreneur and being the business owner. But man, ever since I started giving my guys more and more and more freedom, um, I won't mention him by name, but I've I've got a I've got a filmmaker in there that, that that shoots videos, and I've been working with him on messaging and on calls to action and on who's our target, and you know, because. Filmmaking is one skill, absolutely, but the, the marketing and the message of the videos is completely different. And, and he's gone away and just responded to that training so much now that I can... And in the beginning, I was terrified. Like, only me can do this, only me. This is my experience. This is what I bring to the company. And now, you know, I can send him a project and say, right, these are our points, these are our demographics go put something together and he will go and he will create it. And all of a sudden that's something that's off my plate that I thought would never be removed because that's my specialist skill set. Whereas in reality, it was me lacking the trust to give somebody the opportunity to fail and the opportunity to grow. And now we've done that again. We're, we're starting to pass that through the company and let my guys have the freedom to be creative and to fail. And uh, it's, it's, it, i've lost the word but it is what it is
1: (laughs) it's a beautiful thing it is and there you go that is the way you really grow and scale a company you cannot do it alone you can't own some multi-million dollar Mm -mm. company that runs efficiently all with just you right it just can't happen you know you you're only gonna be able to take the company so far before you hit the point where you need to really embrace that ceo role and keep growing and it's hard. It's not an easy transition, but it is the the thing I love to help people with the most because it really all is about your mindset, pivoting your mindset and business so that you can slay your goals and enjoy this freedom that is yeah. real, true success.
0: So look at um, that. 16 years to become an overnight success. Well done. You know?
1: Correct. That's exactly. That's my overnight success yeah, story. 16 Do years. the work. Yes. Right. Do the work and and be open to adapting because what to me, a pivot, and why I use this word is it's a purposeful turn that you take to get around a hurdle and come to a resolution because you're going to have to be adaptable. So you mm-hmm. have a laid a best laid plan, right? And that's great. We all need a plan, we need some structure, but you need to be flexible and adaptable within that plan because it's not going to all unfold the way that you anticipated. Most likely something will pop up that you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to adapt in that moment so that you can still get to the end result that you want? That's yeah. a pivot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you you have to be able to uh, to make changes and uh, you adjust your position based on uh, new information coming in I couldn't couldn't agree more with that now you have Now a bunch of legal experience you got a bunch of hair hair salons or barbershops I'm not not sure the correct uh, terminology there But you've got a whole other part of your career now that's stacked on top of that so I want to transition here a little bit into First off before we get into the the pivot and slay thing cuz I I'm super excited to have a best selling author another best selling author on the show I really do want to get into the book there it is <laughs> screenshot the book
1: guys you can get it on Amazon or on my website pivotandslay.com
0: look at that all right we will cover that and have I, I do want to go in depth with that but before we get to that I want to talk about the, the the coaching and the mentoring you received um, and what it was like making that step to join in, number one, the Apex program and then becoming an Apex executive and an Apex executive coach. I want to know a little bit about what that's done for your life.
1: Well, Apex is an amazing organization. I really I can't say enough great things about it. The thing about being an entrepreneur is it could get to be a lonely spot because Mm -hmm. the people that you grow up with and your family, when you look around, most of them are doing the corporate thing and the nine to five thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a place for everybody in this world. And, but the entrepreneur group is a crazy group of people (laughs) who are totally misunderstood (laughs) by the general population is just the truth of it. So I think a lot of us on our come up were feeling kind of lonely and misunderstood. So Apex for me was really the first moment I felt like I was in a room of people who got me. Yes. And that was an amazing moment. And the, the reason that I, I met someone over last summer that needed help with some legal work. And I don't do legal work anymore. I do it for my companies, but no right, I don't feel right. But I don't know why this person and I clicked the moment we spoke. And I just thought like, I wanna help this person. So I did a job for him on on cheap, very cheap, just because <laughs> something in me told me to
0: do this. Well, you are know, helping, you're helping, you know, I'm, you I'm doing this explain it for other fuck. than that, right? No, that, that, that's good, that's good, and sometimes you're called it. to help.
1: He's the one that introduced me to this group called Apex. And it was so nonchalant. Like, just show up at this event. And it was like a Tuesday and the event was Thursday and it was in Dallas and I live in New York. And again, something in me was like, you need to get there. Like, how are you going to get there? I have two kids. I'm a single mom. So I called in my favor to my parents. I'm like, can you please take the girls so I could do this? So, like, <laughs> why? And I'm like, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I'm going to follow my gut. So there I was on the plane and I I swear, Sam, I walked in this room and I know that you understand what I'm saying, but for the people listening that don't, I walked in this room and the energy was palatable. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I vibed with these people from the start because they all went through what I went through this, the business trials and tribulations, personal development, losing friends. Uh, family not understanding them like all of the things that we're talking about they have experienced firsthand and yeah. i just knew in that moment that this was it like i this were these were my people
0: but and think, i signed up you think you <laughs> you think you're alone um because you are so unique in what it is that you do um, and, and this is not just you, but all entrepreneurs are, they're kind of the oddballs. You know, everybody takes the security of the job, the security of the nine to five, and you think you're alone. And in reality, just about every entrepreneur I talk to has walked incredibly similar paths. And wow. if, it, if it wasn't for Apex, I wouldn't realize that. And if it wasn't for that realization, that's why I started this podcast, was to let everybody that's a little bit behind me, a little bit behind you, a long way behind us, wherever they're at, let them know that this is a path that many of us walk. And that there are certain steps you can take to uh to, to get where you need to go, you know?
1: Absolutely. When, when I first
0: I- when I first walked in that room, I didn't I, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel successful enough. There was so much success in that room. But when everybody turned around to me and welcomed me and and held out a hand and said, hey, if anything you need, come on. Wow, what a change it's made having a network of people that have lived the same experiences as me and um, made it through. And they're they're ahead of me and they inspire me. So,
1: Well, I have two things to say about that. One is we all have this um, imposter syndrome, right? Where we feel like, what are we actually going to contribute to these <laughs> like, people? Dude, I what look
0: at you. I have to offer. I look at you, and I'm like, wow, she's so great. And then you're sitting there going, wow, we all have imposter syndrome, you know. And you're still yeah. you're you're 16 steps ahead of me, and you're still sitting there. So, it, for the guys, for the guys coming up, it's real. Look at Jessica. Look at look at successful Jessica still feeling like, hey, wow, this is this is really big, you know.
1: Well, first of all, you need to be in a room where you feel like you're the dumbest person because that's how you're going to learn, right? So in in the room of apex people, when I first walked in, I said the same thing, like, do I belong here? I don't Mm -hmm. know. I don't know if I do. But here's the thing, and I'll tell you a story. Everyone knows something that you don't. So logically, it must follow that you know something that everybody doesn't. Mm -hmm. But we never think about it that way. So. The very first time, the the man that created this amazing network of Apex is Ryan Steuben. He's a great guy, a lot to learn from him. I remember the first day I went to Apex and met him. I went into the the Break Free Academy office Mm -hmm. and he was having a meeting at this small conference table. Nobody knew who I was. Um, And it was him and a bunch of other heavy hitters that are far ahead of me. And they were talking about something that I just happen to know a lot about, a lot about the um, type of contract. And they were all sitting around the table and I walked into the room and I was just listening and they were all brainstorming about ways to um, create a contract. And it's exactly the thing I've done for my entire career. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, I know this and they don't know this should I say something? Do I say something? Do I belong here? I don't know. Do Mm -hmm. I? I don't know. And I just said, you know what? I know this. So I don't know a lot of what they know, but I know this. So I'm just going to tell them what I know and that'll be it. And so I was like, excuse me, (laughs) you don't know me, but this is my name and this is what I know. And they were all like, oh my God. Thank you, that's amazing. We were just talking about that for 15 minutes and none of us knew the answer, so thank you. So when you feel like, what can I offer these people? I'm telling you that there is something. Now I might only know like Mm -hmm. 0.5% of what they know, but that 0.5% might be valuable to them. (laughs) And you won't know unless you offer it. So offer what you think you're the best at, and just put yourself out there and be vulnerable and watch how people respond to that because coming to the table as your true authentic self and owning that part of you that you know is amazing, it emanates this energy that everyone around you is going to want to be a part of. And I promise you there is something you know that I don't.
0: Mm-hmm. I promise you. Look, I I had the exact same experience. Um, was sitting around a table, with a bunch of the executives. And they were having a conversation and something came up about the legalities of repossessing and the uh, the money factors in a car dealership. And I just happened to own a car dealership a few years ago and I knew the exact answer. And I was sitting there all quietly going, well shit, do I tell them or do I not? And I did, I opened my mouth and, and sure enough, they, they, they embraced it. So yeah, every single person has something to offer everybody. And and I talked about it in a in a Friday Fire episode a few weeks ago. Um, in that in order to become valuable, you must bring value to the table. And everybody has something of value that they can bring to any conversation. And if, if you don't think you do, then you're wrong. Sorry.
1: I agree with you a hundred percent. And and it's a confidence thing. And as yes. you go through your journey and become more aware through through the use of mindset, which I talk a lot about in my book, my journey from being insecure and introverted and scared to public speak and catapulting myself through a life where I became a litigator, where I became a public speaker and author, and really putting myself out there for the public to judge. It's a huge transformation. And I know from firsthand experience, it comes through confidence, through knowing that you don't know everything and being okay with that. Because once you embrace that vulnerability, like, oh, I'm, I'm not, maybe I'm not the best at everything. Who cares? Nobody mm-hmm. is, right? But once you own that and accept it, all that other stuff doesn't matter. You, you're suddenly not afraid to be vulnerable and put put your best authentic self out there into the public space. And by public, I don't just mean like speaking on a stage, I mean like going into a room of high level achievers and feeling like you belong there. That is an empowering moment, it really is. And I encourage everybody to really take a good look at themselves and write down the things you like about yourself, write down the things that are valuable about you and own them. Don't be afraid to talk about them because you're not boasting you're adding value to whatever room you're in by talking about things in your zone of genius.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely.
1: At this, in the same vein, you must also know when it's not your zone and you need
0: to stop, and listen, <laughs> Shut up, yes. right? uh-huh. stop
1: listen and learn.
0: Mm-hmm. But when
1: it is your zone of genius, add value and do it for free
0: because I, yes, yes
1: givers gain that's what apex says right givers uh-huh. gain and if you don't know about apex or you want to learn more like please reach out to me because i could talk all day about how they've changed my life um and helped me grow my business infinite infinitely faster than i could have done on my own and help me change into um a better version of me it's really.
0: it's the it really is the best cult i've ever been involved in i, I <laughs> but i wanted to touch real quick on something you said about top performers and you know there's, there's there's always a a level of intimidation when you're in talking to a guy that owns a five hundred thousand dollar car or a six million dollar private jet or whatever it is but you know once you remember that these guys put their shoes on and the, the socks on the same way that we do and then if you've ever been exposed to any of the memes they share you're like wait a minute there's these guys are a lot more like us than we realize we're just a few steps back you know so don't be afraid to bring value to a conversation if you've got something valuable to share. All right, time to move on. Tell me about this book. So we wrote a book, we're a best-selling author now, and the title of the book is Pivot and Slay. What was the process like behind writing the book? What inspired you to do it?
1: Thomas Keenan inspired me to write my book. He also oh. wrote forward to my book. And if you guys don't know Thomas Keenan, you need to follow him cuz he also wrote an amazing book called Unfuck Your Business.
0: Yes, he did. Um,
1: and I met him and I was kind of telling him what happened was over COVID, my barber shops were shut down by the government and we were shut down for about 4 months. And during that time, I kind of as a single mom, right? I was trying to find a way to generate income for myself while the businesses were shut down. So I started taking on legal work, which I don't enjoy, but it was paying the bills. But what I did enjoy was trying to figure out how to save my own business. Mm -hmm. And I started to document that journey on my Instagram and social media accounts, Mm -hmm. which you could find at the Jessica Dennehy. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're, I'm we're
0: going gonna, we're gonna, gonna to ask you at the end all your socials again, and then we will put them all in the show notes for everyone. So that's at the Jessica Dennehy. <laughs> but um,
1: I started to put on social media my journey about saving my own business. And what happened was people started to reach out to me, like, can mm-hmm. you help me apply for idle loans? Can you help yeah. me apply for PPP? Tell me what you know about the PPP. But how about this question? How about that question? Yeah, I remember
0: next? that. I remember seeing you tagged in all those posts and everything the other year. Yeah, I remember that. I
1: started in... I started coaching without really knowing that this was a monetizable industry right so mm-hmm. yeah and then i'm like man i know a lot of stuff i didn't realize that like my time at the stock exchange and my time owning mm-hmm. Mad Men brought me to this point where i could actually help other people so I met Thomas Keenan in the middle of that and he's like what are you even up to and I'm like I'm just like coaching people for free like giving them advice <laughs> I'm helping them reopen their businesses yep. and he's like really like why do you know so much I told him about my journey and he's like you know that's a book right like you need to write a book about this journey and I'm like do I okay he's, I'll write a book He he's
0: so, a he's a motivating fucker isn't he Um He
1: really is I'm, and I got to plug great.
0: I got to plug this uh Thomas Keenan uh, is episode sixty of the Small Business Surgeon podcast. If you want to zip back a few episodes and, and grab Thomas's story, we did interview. Man, I, I love that dude. You know, he's, I he's, do too. He's he's, he's, he's been amazing. he's been great. So now he plants this seed for a book. <clears throat> what happens next?
1: I he introduced me to a book editor, um, and we, her and I, discussed my story. And in telling her my story, I realized it is a good story. It's a story that people need to hear. It's a story that can inspire people to change their life. And it's a story about trials and tribulations and things Mm -hmm. that I've overcome. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And the, the funniest part about it was writing. I always wanted to write a book when I was younger. I love writing. I love reading. I always thought it'd be some like, I don't know, novel, I guess, because, um, I, I read a lot of fiction, but what right. it ended up being was this, like almost a memoir of my story and how I overcame things. And I enjoyed writing it so much because it was almost a journey of self-discovery for me, making connections mm-hmm. and some stuff that happened in my life that I didn't connect before. And I learned so much about myself. And in writing this, I think I became better at my job because I made these connections to mindset and how pivotal it was in my own journey i mean i knew some of it i was aware of some of it but subconsciously i had all these other stories to tell that kind of tied into that same theme
0: no that 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 makes sense man and uh you know pivot and slay it really is just a an entire overview of where you've been but i want to know what's next where are you going with all this what's oh, next for jessica
1: So much. Well, (laughs) Thomas and I have um, a book coming out together called Startup Legends, and it's about starting a business. How to, like the logistics and the actual details of how to start your business and what to expect in the first 12 months. And we have some other big heavy hitters that are authoring parts of that book that it's going to be really a complete way to soup to nuts start. So we have that coming out and I also have my second book in first round edits, which is going to be a more detailed depiction of how mindset will help you slay it in business and it will give you specific examples from my business and from businesses of my clients, how we have um, things that we've faced and how we've overcome them using different mindset techniques.
0: Now, I know the answer to this, but um, why so many books?
1: Well. <laughs> as I like to talk. I don't know if you've uh, couldn't gotten tell. That couldn't
0: tell that impression
1: oh. yet. But no, I think um for me, learning, I do that best through reading other people's experiences oh, and yeah. mm-hmm. understanding how that relates to my life. So for all the people out there who learn the way that I do, I want to give you as many opportunities as I can possibly fathom to help you get started and um, help you slay it and slay your goals and find your freedom because that is my mission.
0: And uh, you see, guys listening, I want you to pay attention to that because there was nothing in that answer that revolved around Jessica. Everything in that answer revolved around her mission and the number of people she could help. That's why she's writing books. I think that's why she does what she does, isn't it?
1: It really is. It (laughs) makes me genuinely happy to have other people finding their passions, helping them, have more time to do the things that they love and not just hustle their entire life away because at the end of the day, you could die a billionaire but when you're on your deathbed you're going to be thinking about your life experiences and Mm -hmm. when people and your children and your loved ones remember you they're going to remember those moments that you made memories with them they're not going to remember you slaving away at your computer so i like in my life and listen i'm successful and i still do this okay Mm -hmm. every day i make time for me one thing i talk about in my book is the importance of routine and i find time for me every single day through fitness and journaling i put that in my schedule because it's important to me and it makes me a better mom a better coach a better consultant a better person um, and I also make time for something fun every day. So for me, a lot of days that is doing something fun with my children, mm-hmm. but it also is going out with my friends um, and giving myself the space to go do something I enjoy and not feeling guilty that I'm not working at <laughs> that moment and being present for it. You know, These are things that are important in your life to make you a whole person, because you're not a robot, you're mm-hmm. not a workhorse. And being an entrepreneur, you get to find this freedom that you will not find if you stay in your nine to five. You just won't because it no. won't be yours.
0: Absolutely not. No, you, you're right. And, you know, I'm in the middle of that, you know, trying to expand. And what the, the things that have fallen by the wayside for me are like you were talking about that time for me, that time for Sam. But it, it, it'll come back. I think we got about another six weeks of this craziness and then (laughs) things will settle down. But
1: it's an ebb and flow, too. I'm not saying that your life's going to be like a vacation every day, (laughs) but you are going to have more of um, that symbiotic feeling that where your personal life and your work life are collaborating oh, to yeah. make you a whole human instead of just a one-sided human. Yeah,
0: you you <laughs> can't do it just working all the time. It doesn't it yeah. does it doesn't uh, it doesn't last long. All right, before we get out of here, I got just a couple more questions uh, to ask you, Jessica. Um, and and one of them is knowing what you know now, talking to Jessica at 24, 25 years old what's what's the one piece of advice that you would give her
1: <laughs> trust your gut mm. trust your gut because it took me so long to realize that I had this voice speaking to me that I didn't know how to understand mm-hmm. I didn't know how to listen to and if I had just known that a little bit sooner I think I would be in a totally different place right now
0: yes I, I wow there's something about trusting your gut Um, I'm not a doctor, but I did read somewhere that the gut is formed at the same time as the brain. And there's a a lining of cells in the gut that connect directly to the brain. So when you have a gut feeling, it's actually a second brain talking to you. Now, that's
1: amazing. I would love to know where you read that because I would love to read that firsthand.
0: I read all kinds of stuff. I will, um, I will have Kyle go find it because he's better at Google than me. (laughs) All right, thank um, you, Kyle. Yes, all right. So my last question for you, my dear, before we wrap this up, where can we find you online? Where can we get your book? Tell the guys where to follow you.
1: Okay, well, you could follow me on Instagram or Facebook at The Jessica Dennehy. And if you're interested in my consulting services and my coaching programs, you can apply through my website, pivotandslay.com. Everything you need is on there. My book, my coaching program, my social media handles, my bio, all the stuff I've been on, um, my press kit, all that stuff is all on Jessica Denny, I'm, I'm sorry, on pivotandslade.com. So, please go there and find me and I would love to work with you if you think that um, you've gotten anything amazing out of this podcast.
0: Dude, Let's, let's do it. You'll go and, uh, and please follow Jessica. Uh, and Jessica, I want to thank you for being such a wonderful guest and being so open with us. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's been my absolute pleasure to interview you and to get to know you a little better. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of The Small Business Surgeon. As always, if you've got something out of the show, do me a favor, uh, screenshot it, tag me in the comments, run all over to Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. And if you're feeling really generous, leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to go and follow Jessica and her story and uh, reach out to her if there's something that you got out of this podcast. All right. That's it from us. Y'all stay safe have a great week and i will see you on friday for this week's episode of friday fire thanks for listening this has been the small business surgeon podcast if you made it this far you clearly liked it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share it with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh yeah.